Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's like we were partnering with this brand, um, and I won't say so I don't get my ass sued. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we were working this brand, and they were excited about working with us, and we were going to be in every Target and Walmart they said in the world potentially, and. We were just very excited. I remember at the time I was going on this uh, trip with a couple of friends to the mountains for the weekend. And that's when I got the first email that it was like really happening. And I just remember like us all like looking at each other like, holy crap, Ryan's about to be a millionaire. Like Ryan's like really about to have like a shit ton of money. And I just remember feeling like this, like again, ego, you know, it's like, I was just like, whoa, dude, like I'm about to be somebody, you know? And I think that overshadowed a lot of my decisions in that moving forward and Essentially, let's just say that they stayed with us long enough to figure out what we were doing and how we were doing it, and then they dropped us like hotcakes. Yo, yo, Joel Averse. It's your boy, Joel Byers. And you know what time it is. Hot breath. <sighs> Welcome back, hot brethren and sistren. Thank you for sharing your valuable time with me and my extremely valuable guest today. Of course, Ryan Lane from Dreambeard. This is a dude who has built a very successful business from the ground up from actually his father-in-law's house to now one of the most influential brands out there. This is a very informative interview, great for anybody who just loves Ryan or loves learning or loves me. Me! But please stay tuned in the outro. I have a very special announcement about a new podcast I am starting with my wife. <gasps> yeah. So you're going to want to hang 10 for that, but let's go ahead and dive into this. You are in for a hootenanny of a treatin' good time. So all there is left to do is inhale a hot breath with Ryan I think we're Lane. Good. I feel good. You feel good? Yeah, dude. Feeling hot? Oh, let me get you um, feeling hot on hot breath. Oh, Oh. This is water by Fontis. Have you heard of Fontis water? No. They're based out of Marietta, but they it's like Blue Mountain. This what, is so the Blue cool. Springs Mountain water. This is dope. So I they, love it. We collaborated on a water. I'm a huge fan of water and I always gave my guests a bottle of water uh -huh. when when I would like meet up with them just as like a kind gesture. And then we ended up just collaborating with this local water company That's here in awesome, Georgia. Man. That's awesome, man. I was dope. like, dope. What'd you think? You just tried it? Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good, dude. A little salty. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's got a little black pepper in it. The it's mineral salty. content. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I'm big on... I, I love water. So oh, I love yeah, like spring man. water and... It's funny Silly too, stuff. like I, uh, you know, my wa my wife is super into water, and I grew up mm -hmm. more of like the the back uh, backwoods redneck. That's like I love Sprite and I love Mountain Dew <laughs> and I like NASCAR and uh, you know and and she always is like, babe, you need to drink more water. You need to drink more water. Yep. And then I actually went through this 
crazy process where I changed my diet. I lost 60 pounds. I was like 245. Now I'm like 185, Whoa. maybe 190. Now I've been eating little donuts here and there, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, it was, it was a crazy process. And I can, I can definitely say that when you start drinking water only, it actually starts tasting good. Yeah. And it's, your it's skin weird. clears up and just yeah. everything. Yeah, man. You feel better. So. Your beard's probably a lot yeah. softer. Yeah. You drink a lot of water. Yeah. I feel like this is like a great ad for water, man. Like water one. And know? beards. That's what <laughs> exactly. we're doing. It's just like dream water. Dream water, man. Dream water brought to you by dream beard. <laughs> I love it. It's good to see it in real life though. I can't believe yeah. I've, I've seen photos of your beard. It's, um, it's, it's magnificent. I appreciate it, man. It's beardnificent. Yeah. A lot of work. I, surprisingly, <laughs> you got to shampoo it and. I don't know. Yeah, put stuff in it or it gets really nasty. I used to have a mustache. Really? A very solid mustache. Not to Oh, dude, it's November. Why are you growing it? We'll have a wife and ah. um, <laughs> But the, like um like you, we were mentioning on your podcast that you will all hear as well. But like how your wife married you for you and then mm-hmm. no matter what you've changed, the same like my wife knew me back when I had a mustache as well and yeah. Now I'm going to bring it back out. I have a character in mind, but it's going to be for a movie. I'm not bringing Ooh. it out. Because I almost became like the mustache. I knew oh. it was out of hand when I got on stage and I just heard somebody go, mustache. <laughs> like before I said anything, as soon as I went on stage, they went, mustache. I was like, this is getting a little out of hand. <laughs> That's funny you said that because remember when we were talking, you were like, oh, maybe we could do like a sketch about beards and stuff. That was what became so hard for me, man. And like our culture is it almost got out of hand. Like, it got to the point in our in the beard culture. I'm using air quotes, you know, because it's an industry. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of silly that yeah. it is an industry, but it is now. And what I what I kind of got aggravated about was the way people would posture themselves or or like lord over people or peacock like about their beard. You know, I'm like, dude, it's just a freaking beard. You know, like it doesn't make you better. It's not abs. You know, it's not like you know. It's like, dude, it's just a beard. You just decided to grow it out, and it's cool, and it's a conversation piece. But don't like use it to make someone who can't grow a beard like look bad, you know? And mm-hmm. and that's something that I've really been trying to change the narrative because there's a lot of companies like mine where they're like, if you don't have a beard, you're a pussy, you know, like kind of thing, you know? And I'm like, no, dude, that's that's not true at all. Beards are cool and they're fun, but you know, don't don't let it define everything that you are, you know? So I get the whole like Mr. Mustache, like I like I yeah, I have this giant beard and I love it and I, I feel like it breaks down the walls when I talk to people. A lot of people that I think would be afraid of me are actually like, like for some weird reason, they're like into talking to me. And uh, so there's a lot of benefit to it, but I don't want people to think that I'm this like macho man, you know, kind of thing and uh, trying to treat other people different because of it. So how are you trying to pivot that narrative? Dude, it's hard, man. It's really hard in the, in the business world, especially because like I said, it kind of just steamrolled out of control. Totally. Like, uh, I remember the biggest shirt we ever used to sell and we're thinking about bringing it back, but, um, it, on the back, it said, this world's full of guys, be a man. And, uh, and so the whole idea was, was, uh, you know, be a man, like in the sense of like taking care of your family or doing whatever it takes to like be this like true man but everyone took it as like yeah man this full, this world's full of guys and if you can't grow a beard you're just a guy and i'm a man and, right. and it, it wasn't really the narrative we were going after but it kind of just it, you know you never know what people are gonna receive like whatever you're trying to say you know like you have intention of what you want the the crowd so to speak to to uh get from it but sometimes they might get something totally different mm-hmm. and so it has been a struggle um, I think one thing we've done is try to create our brand into more of like a full on like culture where it's not just beard related. And that's why we shifted into the hair, beard and body kind of vibe. And then we've done like apparel and different things like that. And we've tried to, 
steer the ship a little bit away from this like hyper masculinity kind of vibe but it's hard man because there's a lot of them out there that are still hitting that hard their instagrams are just full of like a dude with a beard and a girl in a thong and it's like this is what you get when you grow a beard and it's right, like right right i'm like what dude <laughs> <laughs> okay like whatever so yeah it's it's it can be frustrating but it is what it is it's just the industry i live in i guess so yeah your line extensions are crazy and yeah. looking at your website it's not even just beard oil you have like messenger bags now you yeah. have mugs you have hats you have yeah. patches yeah man we've done just about everything i think it uh for me, it's like if I believe in something, I just want to offer it to people. It's not necessarily just like trying to make more money. It's just like how can we create good quality products? That's what it started with. When we started uh, quote unquote beard oil, we were the first person to ever come out with a product called beard oil. There was like two other products in the world that were similar in nature, I can say, but totally different really. And, uh, and when we came out with it, we were the only ones in the world. And, um, and that's really what helped us propel us in success. I mean, obviously we've done, you know, all kinds of stuff on, you know, different shows and commercials and things like that because of it. And I, I think that's what gave us that ability as being a forerunner, you know, being the beginning of it. So catching the wave before yeah. it started. Yeah. And we crest. didn't even know, like, we didn't even know that bearding was going to be anything. I mean, we really didn't. I had a little beard, uh, scruff and, <laughs> and yeah. And I was a little young lad. With yeah. A little beard. And I would, I would, uh, it would get itchy, you know, like a, like a little beard does. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what am I going to do? So I would steal my wife's lotion and stick it in there. And then she'd be like, honey, your beard smells like the inside of a dog's ear. <laughs> like, cause the, the lotion would just like get all stuck in the hair and it would just get uh. all nasty. So I was like, man, I got to figure this out. And then, yeah, I just, uh, I just started doing research and, uh, learning more is way before essential oils were even a thing. Yeah. You know, now it's like a huge thing. Yeah. And, um, I just kind of started researching in that world. And finally one day I was like, you know what, let's just do this. And, and when you just took off, so you make it sound so easy, like yeah. you weren't living at your father-in-law's house yeah. for $46 to your name. Dude, it was rough, man. I mean, we moved back down to Atlanta and I was just like, what are we going to do? And I, I had already been toying with the idea of dream beard. Um, I didn't have a name. I didn't have anything. I just knew that there were some products out there that I was like, man, I think if I could do this or if I could take this product and marry it with this product, like I could have something. And it was, it was toying in the back of my mind, but, um, it was a really weird time, man, because we, there was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know what we were going to do. And, and it was a lot of pressure too, when you're seven months into marriage and you're living at your father-in-law's house and you have no job and your father-in-law gets up every day with you and looks you in the face and you have this like, weird thing in the back of your mind where you're like, Oh dude, I got to get my shit together. You know? And, uh, and you know, so there was this constant conflict where I was like, uh, reaching out to every single place I could try to find a job. I mean, at the point when we, we had just moved there, I was like, I need grocery money at this point. We're talking Taco Bell level, like whatever I can get will be something, you Mm -hmm. know, some kind of money coming in until I can figure out what I'm going to do with my life or whatever. And, So I actually applied, I don't really tell a lot of people this, I applied to like over 400 jobs in like one month and, uh, and I didn't hear back from any of them and I was just like freaking out. And that's kind of like in that time is when Dreambeard started, um, on the dining room table of my father-in-law's house. And I was just like, I didn't really think it was going to be anything to be honest with you. I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just kind of entertaining this idea. I'm gonna send it out to some friends and just see what they think. You know, maybe it'll just be something I use for myself, you know, or something like that. And, uh, and, and then it just kind of like, it just kind of began to spiral out of control, man. And from there it just kind of blew up. And what was so weird is, uh, we started like in the fall and by the next year it was like so big that we were like, Whoa, this could be something like we could, we could pay our bills with this. Like we could go out to dinner now, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, what was really funny though is 
after after I, like we had kind of got it rolling, a lot of those jobs that I had been waiting on started calling me. And so there was this really weird conflict as like, do I take the do I take the security of the job mm-hmm. or do I just like continue this path right now and be okay with my father-in-law taking care of us, you know? <laughs> so he was supplementing. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, well, I guess what I should say is that, like, we had a place to live, you know, right. so we didn't have rent and we didn't have really food to worry about. So we had a little money saved up to pay for, like, bills like cell phones and car insurance and things like that. But it was, like, it was it diminished very quickly, obviously, with no job. But I remember, man, there was two, two, I feel like I'm over talking, but whatever. Um, This is your show, man. It's all about you. (laughs) But there was two jobs that really, it was kind of funny that hit right as Dreambeard was hitting two and I had to make that weird decision. One was a pest control job. And I remember going in and I was just like, oh, dude, I, and I hate bugs, dude. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm trying to just be a husband and provide for my wife, but this is going to be, this is going to suck, dude. Uh-huh. Cause the first roach I see, I'm going to scream like a damn girl. Cause usually my wife's the one getting the bugs. Like, I, it's funny. Wow. Isn't that funny? You look at me and that you're like, funny. I know, you're like, dude, yeah, he crushes roaches. I'm like, no, dude, like they freak me out. Um, but anyways, so I'm, I go in the interview. It all goes really well. They like me. I, and um, and so I get home and I get a call back later, like a week later, and like, hey, uh, you're we're ready to go. Like, we want you to start. You know, the pay was like decent. Um, and and then they were like, the only thing we need is for you to cut your beard. We need you to be clean shaven. Whoa. And at the time, I was starting Dream Beard kind of, and I had my beard was probably like two to three inches long. So it was like a like it was the kind of beard where you walk by like, oh wow, you got a beard. How you long know? is your beard now? Oh, dude, I, the last time I measured it was in like the like 20 to 30 inches okay. um, long it's when it's braided it shrinks up a little bit so when it's not braided it's you know bigger and you know whatever but i had to keep it braided because it gets out of control so. i can only that it's out of control right now <laughs> yeah in a good way <laughs> yeah and so i had to make that decision man and I, and I was just like i looked at my wife i was like babe i don't I, I just felt bad i really did feel guilty not taking the job because i was like we need the money but I just felt something weird in my mind that like Dreambeard maybe was something special and I didn't want to give it up just yet, you know? And I was like, let's just hold on a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, you know, maybe a couple more weeks and just let's just mull this over. Let's not like make a, a, a really haste decision based on money, you know? And so I told him no. Like I was like, well, sorry, man, like we're not we're not gonna do this. And and then the other one, which is even more hilarious, is you know those like Kirby vacuum cleaner salesmen that like come up to your door and they try to sell you like a $5,000 vacuum yeah. that like barely works. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I got that. I decided to try that out too. And I went with my friend, we were both broke and we're like, man, let's try to sell vacuum cleaners. I guess, you know, it's like a quick money and we'll just go door to door and blah, blah, blah. And I went through the first interview process and then and obviously, like, you get the job because it's like one of those jobs where, like, everyone gets the job, you know? There's not, like, there's not, like, really an interview. And then so I'm on my way back for the second interview, and it's more like where they're going to kind of start debriefing you and getting you prepared. And it, and it was a long drive, too, man. I remember it being, like, an hour drive to, like, uh, go sell to freaking go sell vacuums. vacuums. Right. Yeah, it was intense. And so I remember driving, like, and I was halfway through, and I was like, what the hell am I thinking, man? I called my wife, and I was like, babe, I didn't – I can't do this. Like I can't sell vacuum cleaners. This is crazy. Like I'm not going to do this. And, uh, and you know, she had a lot of faith in me. She was like, okay, like turn around. And so I just literally turned around. I never showed up, never talked to him. I was just like, peace Kirby. And like, just kind of went about my way. And soon after that's when dream beer began to gain steam. And we really focused on it. And, uh, 
and yeah, the rest is history. So, so she's just believed in. Look, turn my two jobs till we can start this beard thing. Yeah. This is before beards were even Dude, a thing. It wasn't even a thing. It was before Duck Dynasty. It was before all of that, man. It was like not a hipster thing. It was not a movement at all. It was just really like a lot of speculation. It really was. It uh-huh. was. It was kind of weird. Because anyone I would tell about it, they were like, oh, okay, like you're going to create a beard oil? Like what? And now when I tell people that, it's almost like selling soap at a freaking like, uh, uh, what are those called? Uh, market type places uh, on a square. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I sell soap. It's like, yeah, so does everybody else in the world. And now you get kind of treated that way. But I think a lot of people don't realize that, hey, like this dude might have been one of the forerunners. I know it sounds, sounds kind of weird saying that, but. It's true know, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I. Yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy, you know, and um, yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride. So. You guys blew up in like four months. You were in like thirty five countries. Yeah, man. Thanks. Like it was it was a double edged sword because we didn't know what we were doing. We never had a website. We didn't know what. So yeah. I chose uh, first. I chose this weird little platform that doesn't even exist anymore that would connect with like a Facebook page and you could sell on it. And then we decided to move to Etsy, which most people know, mm. you know, and. Uh, and Etsy was really good to us for a long, long time. We were in the top ten Bath and Body sales, uh, sellers in the in the country, or actually in the world. And uh, so it was really good Jeez. for us. But we kind of outgrew it, you know. And um, and there was like a really weird birthing pain when we when we began to move away from Etsy and try to just do it ourselves, you know, on our own platform. But yeah, man, it, it's been a really wild ride, you know. And um, gotten to do really cool stuff like. Uh, you know, we did a, a commercial with FedEx. We were on CNN three times this year, you know, and so it's really cool, man. Some of the cool things that we've been able to do and rub shoulders with, like I was telling you off air, like the day that Billy Gibbons called me on the cell phone, <laughs> like I was freaking out. Like I literally had to almost put, like when I saw him calling, I screamed at the top of my lungs in the car <laughs> just to like get out the nerves. Cause like my right. wife was with me. She can, she can test to test to it. Or is that even a word to test to it? I'm doing it again, man. <laughs> I do it all the time. I did it on my podcast. Now here I am. I don't know how to say words, but, but yeah, man, it was just been a, it's been a, a blessing, man. It's crazy to look around at all the things I have and, and think that it was built by beards or it was paid for by beards. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so yeah, I have definitely a, a great love for the following and for everyone that's been a part of our growth, you know, it's been a really special ride. I do hear in business though, it can be easy to grow too fast. Oh yeah, dude. So yes. what are the growing pains in that? Well, it just gets out of control, you know, like, and you make mistakes because you're thinking uh, a lot more on your feet and not really like, um, really like looking at the long-term goals. You're thinking of like now, cause it's, there's so much money coming in. I remember like two years in, there was just so, I mean, I, I sounded like, I sound so pretentious. There was so, so much <laughs> money coming in. I didn't know what to do with it all. Well, anything's a yeah. lot compared to 46 bucks. Exactly, man. And and it, it was more money than I ever even dreamed of making. Like that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like that level, I was, I was completely blown away. Like if you would have told me three years prior, like, hey, what would be your highest seller you think you could ever make? it wasn't even a third of like what actually happened. Like it was just like, whoa. But the weird thing about it, man, is like, here's what's weird is we were young, man. We started the business when we were, you know, 20, I was 25 and you know, no one tells you, Hey, you should plan a little bit ahead. Like you get, you come into all this money and you just start spending it. You know, you're just like Mm. your, your level of living just goes up. And I really wish that if I could tell old me to just be like, Hey, settle down, like get in the groove and, you know, prepare for the long haul. Don't just get like really uh, excited and, and almost greedy, you know? And I, I kind of wish now being a father and being married for six years in March, it's like, 
I, I really wish that I would have thought things through a little bit more. So, but your wife and your wife and you were doing the business together, right? This has been oh, a yeah, team man. effort from the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. She always is super bashful about it. She's like, "Oh yeah, this is your thing." I'm like, "No, babe." Number one, you had the balls, even though you don't have them, to let me start this freaking thing, you know. And Denied uh, two jobs to do yes, it. Yes, you know, and and just and just so much uncertainty, like not right. knowing what was going to happen, and just riding this this wave, you know. And um, but yeah, man, she's she's done it all, like everything. And that's what's so cool about a small business is you you tend to get to learn everything because you have to do everything. So you know, she she, her and I have done uh, everything from packing to making the product to emails to wholesale to I mean, everything you can think of we've had our hands in it you know and so yeah i mean she's she's been a huge help and just the support and love that she gives me really allows me to accelerate in in a much rapid pace than i would without her so what is that work-life balance how do you especially when you're an entrepreneur like you're almost always working how do you balance that or even organize your days together or? yeah man I think that there's like seasons you know when we first started and we we're in that dining room table and then it, it eventually took over the entire house there was definitely parts where um, we had like fold-up tables in the living room with employees at them and her dad would be watching American Idol at night while some dude's making beard oil like right next to him. Like it was the craziest thing ever. So I don't think there really was a work-life balance at first because we just knew that we had to like get it done. But then like when I would say like a year or so in, especially once we moved out, we, we began, that became, became, became a narrative, I guess, just to say like where me and my wife talked about like, okay, at this time we're shutting it off. Like we're not talking about business. We're not doing this we're going to just enjoy life enjoy each other enjoy whatever we want to enjoy you know we work Mm -hmm. really hard and we play really hard and and that's kind of how we've always been and so we really haven't had much of an issue with work-life balance i'm kind of i feel like life is way too short to always pick work or whatever you're doing over your family like i really think that in the end that's what really matters is Mm -hmm. the people you love and the people that you take care of and the people that you invest in and so I, I, I'm always at the level, to be honest with you, it sounds extreme, but if work ever takes over life, I burn it to the ground. Like I'm ready to like walk away from anything that would take over the life part of the work-life balance, you know? So Small town values. Yeah, yeah. You're from like Weecher Wall, yeah, Florida? Weewall Hitchka, Florida. Weewall Hitchka, okay. Well, I'm actually, I'm technically from Lakeland, Florida. I lived there until I was like 14, <laughs> but then I moved in with my mom. My parents separated when I was like two. And so moved in with my mom to the Panama City Beach area. And then we ended up moving a little farther north into the woods. And then I lived... Probably through like 16 to college, I lived in a little town called Weewahitchka, man, and mm-hmm. with my grandma and my grandpa. And it is a really small town, probably about what, an, like 30 minutes or 45 minutes away from Panama City. So, and then you end up in Ohio with your wife. How'd yeah, you get up there? Yeah, man. I took, well, I took a job up there for three years before I ever knew her. I was actually engaged before I ever, when I met my Whoa. wife. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. When I met my wife, I was engaged. And I, I remember I was actually at my friend's house. We were recording this like little song we had wrote together and she just, her and a friend just like walked in. They knew someone that was there. And I was like, who is this chick messing up my recording? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then we went out that day and we always laugh about it. It was actually at M, M, uh, MPC in Marietta, the pizza company, yeah, yeah. Marietta pizza company. We went there that night and we were all talking and, 
And at the time, you know, everyone that I hung out with was in college, but I had like a career. And so she was like, so what college do you do, you, you do or what do you do? And I was like, I have a career. That's like, <laughs> how, that's like, I, I was totally just a dick or something to her. And, uh, and so, yeah, we had mutual friends and I moved up there, took a job later on and, uh, from Atlanta and, uh, it was really crazy. Cause like a week or so after I moved there, my fiance left me. And so, oh. I, so I was like, well, I, and I moved up there to be closer to her cause it was like a long distance relationship. Oh. And so I was like, well, I'm here, so I might as well just buckle up and enjoy the ride and I don't know anyone. And so it was a weird three years where I was just like kind of in this like fog. I definitely enjoyed myself. There's definitely beautiful people I met and I had a good time. And then, yeah, just over like a few years of just not really dating or dating off and on, I hit her up on Facebook one night. I was like, Word. I was like, Hey girl, yeah. how you been? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, the original Tinder, <laughs> Facebook. Exactly, yeah. man. It really was. And this is what's really funny is she, I messaged her on Facebook. She didn't reply for months mm-hmm. because, and it wasn't even because she, she saw it and didn't want to reply because she didn't even know how to use her Facebook messenger. And so she told me that like months later, she saw it and had like all these different, you know, inboxes from friends and stuff. She's like, Oh crap. And so she said she felt bad. So she like wrote me back. It's like, Oh, I'm doing good. And then it kind of inspired out of control from there. And I'm like, I'll get your number and like, right. let's talk. You know? <laughs> so is this when you were a pastor as well? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was a youth pastor up there. And, um, and so it was, uh, it was a, it was a it was a wild ride, man. Yeah, I was a I was a youth pastor up there for three years, and um, yeah, and then she became a pastor's wife for seven months, <laughs> and then that ended. Yeah, well, like that's kind of what happened is we were we got married. She moved up to Ohio. We long distance dated for like a, a very short amount of time. Like we actually, I look back at it now, and I'm like, I don't know how like we worked out so well. It just it just worked because when we started dating, we're talking from like the summertime to like October, we were engaged. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, I think five months and then another five months we were married. So like within a year we were married from dating. And so it was a very fast paced thing. Yeah, I think I think it was just, we both were in a place in our life where like, if we're gonna pursue relationships, we're ready for like that step. So maybe that's what, why it works so well. I don't really know, but um. But yeah, so she moved up because I had a act. I had like a a, a more uh, stable job, you know, and so it just made sense for her to move up instead of me move down. So she moved up, and seven months into it, it wasn't that we were unhappy. We just knew that like there was some sense of transition in our. I can't explain it. I, I mean, you could use hokey words like in your spirit or in your in your mind or your intuition. Like there was something in us that was like we're ready for some sort of. Uh, transition and so we really thought about it and it just made more sense Uh, another thing was family like we had no one there that was family and for us we're like maybe we want to plant roots somewhere so let's go back to your family because my family was like scattered everywhere so yeah so we moved back down to Atlanta and we just had no clue what we were going to do yeah faith is a big void to fill what do you replace it with dude uh Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Word. <laughs> Just kidding. I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, it's weird. I would say that, like, I still have, like, faith. It's a very uh, vague thing to say. But I, I think that what, what it allowed me to do to step out of a pastoral role into a business world is it allowed me to see perspectives in a safe environment, you know, without feeling like my faith was being um, attacked. 
Hmm. So it kind of almost shifted my perception without me even knowing it because I didn't feel vulnerable when I would hang around other people with different perceptions and different thoughts. I would just be like, oh, that's a cool way of thinking about it. I never thought about that. Like, you know, in my world, in my old world, it was always this. And you're telling me that this is the way you think about it. And actually it makes maybe more sense to me. And so I think it gave me like a safe place to quote unquote, lose my religion. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I mean, but I didn't though, but I, I don't know. It just gave me a new perspective on life. So you still religious. Um, well, I don't know if that's, I don't really like to be whatever that word yeah, means really, but I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, that's a good question. No one's asked me that, uh, since, I mean, it's been, you know, six years, seven years. I would say that I don't, I I'm safe with with saying that I don't have it figured out and I don't know, um, I really am okay with saying I don't know anymore. So it's like, I think there's a lot of positivity in religion and there's a lot of negativity. And I think whatever you believe, as long as it makes you a better person and it makes you um, pursue this life to the fullest and love people, I think this is what I believe in, man, is love. Like I think that Mm -hmm. love is something that is, you know, so if you believe it from a, uh, a religious standpoint of like, well, God is love. Well, okay, well, if I've experienced love, then maybe I have experienced God. You know, so that's mm-hmm. kind of if it, that's kind of maybe where I sit right now. It's just like that's what I really believe in is 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 uh, is love. So, do you still pray? That's a good question, man. I so I went on all kinds of different um, tangents. You know, in the last few years, and meditation was one that I tried out. Um, not any kind of like oming or any you know hippy dippy kind of meditation which not to say that's bad but i uh i did more of like the focus meditation on like your breathing and on your senses and then um and it's actually this app called headspace i don't know if you've ever heard of heard of that Yeah, yeah it actually really really changed my life and i begin to see what was so weird about it is i begin to see that a lot of different avenues felt like the exact same thing so like meditation felt a lot like prayer you know there was a lot of things that i was like whoa this feels familiar you know like and maybe it is like, maybe it's just, maybe in the end, all these different avenues are pointing to the same thing. It's just like a different way to get there, you know? And so I, I, I would say I definitely don't pray like as if I was a pastor, but, um, I don't know, man. I think that my communication's different now at the, the avenues that I take for that communication is just very different. So yeah, I don't know if prayer would be the best word. So when you're saying, okay, I'm not going to do these two jobs, I'm going do we lose it? Okay, we're back on. We're back on. Sorry, something happened. My my uh, computer's stupid. That was we were questioning faith. That yeah, was I know. God, God was stopping a- the podcast. All right, hold on, right there, guys. I'm still here. Because <laughs> you got to have some sort, I guess, faith if you're going to be like, well, I'm not going to take these two jobs. I'm going to pursue this beard thing that that nobody else believes in, or or well, your wife believes in, and sure, your friends sure, supported yeah. it. But it's something there wasn't. There wasn't um, kind of like a template for it. Nobody else had done it before. Yeah. So that's kind of a gnarly way of just having self belief. Yeah. In that sense. And you know what? In the in the you know at the time, if I'm just being really transparent, which I feel like that's just what life's about for me now. Um, at the time, I still definitely had faith. So when I mm-hmm. when I you know started Dreamer, there was a lot of like God, if you know, like let's do this, let's partner together, kind of thing. Let's pray. Uh, maybe that was my success. I don't know, man. Maybe it's going to tank now. <laughs> you know, like, right. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like definitely there was a, a an aspect of faith and in, in woven in it. And I would just say that through time, 
I mean, it sounds like really grim, like Dreambeard like killed my religion, you know, and made me <laughs> made me a bad person, you know. But I think just uh, in time, it gave me a safe space to just think for my own self, you know. And I mean, if, and even from a religious standpoint, not getting like preachy, but I mean, the Bible does say work out your salvation with uh, in your own like in your own time with faith and tr- with uh, fear and trembling. So it's like work it out your like whatever this is, work it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like what does it what does it mean to you? And so that's kind of what it has been for me. It's like, well, you know, maybe I'll still take things that I really loved about it and and still apply it to my life, but it, I'm not going to be controlled anymore. I think that's where I saw a lot of evil mm. in the church, you know, and and it's like I don't really have any animosity towards a god or towards Jesus or towards these things. I think that people muck shit up, you know, like people mess up religion. It's not religion, like. Religion can be a beautiful thing and a beautiful path for people to have meaning, you know? And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm kind of just living my life. And I'm sure there's people in my past that probably think I'm a heathen or some kind of demonic presence now, you know, or whatever. And hey, man, I, you know, touche. Maybe I am, but I'm trying to just be an authentic person now. And seeing that background, you you saw almost behind the curtain of the church as well. Are there parallels as you're now in the business world? That can be very cutthroat and evil as oh, well. Yeah. Are you seeing parallels between those two worlds? Oh, yeah, man, for sure. I mean, it's. It, I think that people, in in the end, there's always this level of, like, ego always ends up being the problem. Mm. And I think that if people could realize that we're all this, like, same thing, we're all humans, and we're all trying to figure this out, and, you know, ego, ego death, to me, has been one of the blessings but I see that so much rampant in the in in religion and I, and in business and in a lot of things where ego takes over and people want to be considered this great thing or they want people to adore them or maybe they're jealous or whatever the case may be. But at the at the root, it always seems, seems to be this level of ego that mucks stuff up, you know. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's kind of been my quest has been this ego death, like even talking openly like i am right now there's like a sense of like me squishing the ego because i want to say safe words i want to say safe things that would um prevent me from having people to listen to this and be like oh well i didn't know ryan was not religious anymore you know like i i'm afraid of what people are gonna think about me and i think that's the entrapment that happens so many times in religion and in the business world is you're always worried about your ego and what people are thinking about you. And I think for me, maybe the little bit of success I've experienced, it's given me the kind of like, uh, the kind of like, fuck you kind of mentality. I mean, for lack of a better term, it's like, it's <laughs> like, them up faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's what's well, kind of like the, like, dude, you don't get it either. Like you don't really know what's going on. So you can't yeah. point your finger at me and tell me that I'm not doing it right when no one really has it figured Everybody's out. Everybody's guessing. Exactly, no man. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like, I'm just like, dude, I'm just on my, I'm on my path. If you don't want to be a part of it, then find your own path. But I'm just trying to be a genuine person that loves the people around me and the people I meet. And I just want to be a good person, man. And just like really love and enjoy this existence that's extremely finite. So have you found in your small fish in a small pond, but the pond has grown into an ocean now in the beard industry is what it really is. Have some big fish come along and trying to like gulp you up? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a little bit of all of it, man. I think that there, uh, I think like a few years ago, we saw a lot of that, like the bigger, bigger fish trying to get into the industry. And now what's really weird 
is a lot of grooming product lines that were so far away from bearding all have like a beard product now. It's almost like everyone just saw that there was some sort of bandwagon. And so a lot of big brands definitely jumped onto it, but that's actually not what hurts us. I would say if I'm being extremely vulnerable, what, what quote unquote hurts us is really the, is really the amount of saturation. So it's Mm -hmm. like, there's so many brands that are like ours now and they might legitimately have 10 customers. Like, like they could just be their friends. It could just be them in their bedroom and their underwear trying to make beard oil or something. And they're selling it to their 10 friends, but that's now 10 customers that will never buy from me because of the tribal instincts of like, I'm with my friend and this is, this is the brand I pick. And it's, you know, and, uh, and so you times that by thousands upon thousands of new companies showing up every year, then all of a sudden you've got 200,000 plus people that are customers that will never buy from you because they buy from this really small brand down the road that might be putting, you know, who who knows what's in the bottle, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And so, yeah, I think that that's the issue is that no one's winning in this oversaturation. And because everyone's like, everyone with a beard is like, well, I'm going to start a beer company. It's like, you know, yeah. it just seems like it's an easy way out for someone to try to escape the nine to five. So do, do bigger companies, especially when there was less saturation, would there be like a bigger company that would almost be like, Hey, we just want to buy your, we want to buy your whole idea or yeah. steal it. I yeah. I mean, <laughs> we haven't, we didn't have very many people approach us to buy us out. I, I kind of looking back like, man, that would have been nice if I just had like a cold hard cash <laughs> right now. And I was sitting on an Island but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that like, we definitely had a big brand, uh, come along, a, a, like a year or two ago, probably two years ago now. And, you know, obviously it was really exciting to have big brands reach out to you and want to do things with you. Um, and so sometimes that can mask what their real intentions are. Mm. And, um, but for us in the end, it turned out pretty, pretty rough and, and actually kind of hurt us. So. What happened? Can you go into more? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's like we were partnering with this brand, um, and I won't say so I don't get my ass sued. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we were working this brand, and they were excited about working with us, and we were going to be in every Target and Walmart they said in the world potentially, and we were just very excited. I remember at the time I was going on this uh, trip with a couple friends to the mountains for the weekend, and that's when I got the first email that it was like really happening, and I just remember like us all like looking at each other like, holy crap, Ryan's about to be a millionaire. Like Ryan's like really <laughs> about to have like a shit ton of money. And I just remember feeling like this, like again, ego, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I was just like, whoa, dude, like I'm about to be somebody, you know? And I think that overshadowed a lot of my decisions in that moving forward. And essentially let's just say that they stayed with us long enough to figure out what we were doing and how we were doing it. And then they dropped us like hotcakes over some really bullshitty, kind of things, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, man, what, what really hurt us was we were trying to prepare for the influx of that kind of business. So we were looking at bigger, um, you know, bigger, uh, warehouse, more employees, bigger machines. And so we took out a really hefty loan and, um, and then, so when all that fell flat, we had nothing to show for it. And now we had this giant debt that we had to pay off. And so that's been, you know, the last few years from us has been a lot of that recovery of trying to pay off that big debt. How do you recover? What are the kind of moves you've been making? Dude, uh, just trying to cut off all the fat. Like Mm -hmm. that's really, that's really been the game, man. It's always uh, small business is always about cash flow. I mean, it's always, Really, that's the cash flow is king. I mean, it, it's always been something. So for a company like ours that bootstrapped, that started with forty six dollars and didn't have a loan ever, 
to have that loan put in place really hurt us because it killed a lot of our cash flow, a lot of our ability to grow. And so we've kind of just been in this like, well, uh, let's just see what happens, man. But I think I, I can honestly say that there was a couple years ago where I was like, this, we might need to just like call it quits. And it had nothing to Whoa. do. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the amount of people that loved us. It had everything to do with, we made some mistakes that potentially, you know, completely tanked us. So what do you think has helped with the recovery? Um, I mean, I think, man, what has helped? I think, it, I think I've learned a lot of lessons in uh -huh. it, you know, and I've learned how to get back to that nitty gritty college lifestyle where you're like, maybe I need to just eat Vienna sausages for this week. You know, right, right. You know, I mean, I'm not saying we're like that right now or whatever. I don't want to create this grim picture, but I mean, I've learned a lot in it, man. There's been a lot of struggles and a lot of growth in it. And I think it's really given me this broad and broad and spectral spectrum for like the long haul in life. Cause like you were saying about the whole blow up, blow out, it's like, man, we really blew up and, and things were great and there was so much money going on. But, um, but then we've also had times where things were skim and we had to like let people go or like we had to make like hard decisions and that's stuff that no one ever tells you in small business. One of the things that freaked me out, um, about being a small business owner is when you have employees because you're like, I no longer am in like, I, I'm not responsible just for me and my wife or me and my wife and my kid. Now I'm responsible for other people that might have a wife that might have a kid. And it's, it's a, it's a lot of pressure sometimes, you know, where you're just like, man, things are grim and we made some really bad decisions and now they're affected by mm -hmm. it. And so I think there, it, it, it made me a lot more wise, I guess, throughout all of this. So what are some other lessons people don't tell you about in small business? Oh man, it's just not as glamorous as people think it is. It, it, there's this like, obviously, man, I don't have a nine to five and you know, and I don't have to worry about like some boss like lording over me or trying to put his finger in my butt if I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no like weird misconduct or like weird. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. Me either. Just... Me either. It was like so random. So you had a bad past. Maybe yeah, that's exactly. what happened with the past situation. I don't know. <laughs> I know, man. I'm so weird. But uh, but yeah, I I yeah, man. I think it's it's um people don't tell you that it's way harder. It's actually an easier lifestyle to have a nine to five and just clock out and forget about what, like forget about the it. Structure. Just, yeah, just get in, get your crap done, take your paycheck and walk out. And that's what's so funny is people I meet, they're like, man, I want to start my own business. Like what you do is so cool, you know? And I'm like looking at them like sometimes like, man, I kind of would rather be on that side of the fence right now because you just work hard and then you can save up and go on crazy vacations and, you know, still get to live life uh, on the weekends or whatever your schedule is. So I think there's like definitely pros and cons. And that's one of the biggest things people don't talk about in small business is that sometimes it's definitely not what it's made out to be. You're going to get extremely stressed out. You're going to have days where you're just like, holy crap, because again, the, the difference in a nine to five is, you know, that check's going to be there. Yep. Like that check's going to be there every mm -hmm. two weeks or every week. It's just there. Like it's always there and you can plan for the future and you can do all these things. But in business, especially retail, you're like, well, um, this week was great, but next week could be shitty. It could be awful, you know? And then the next week could be awesome and whatever, vice versa. And so it's it's a lot more of a roller coaster ride in the in the small business world. And retail specifically seems to be making a big shift towards e-commerce, yeah. which is where you guys started mm -hmm. and just using the internet as your platform. Is that like a competitive advantage or how do you see? Because your, your social media game is crazy too and how you've been able to generate those followings. Do those, does e-commerce and social media play 
almost like a tandem role. Yeah, man. I think here's I. I mean, I sound like a Debbie Downer always, like with all these views, but it's I reality. Th- yeah, I think that I think that uh, you know, two or three years ago, social media was extremely viable and amazing for small business and startups. It really had a lot of retention rate, um, collaborations tagging was really huge like when you tag someone you actually like people actually went there and followed them you know like and i think now we're seeing a lot less engagement Hmm. um one thing that you know i was uh last year i spent the whole year on the entrepreneur advisory board for fedex and we talked a lot about social media and one of the things i started just to watch my wife like use it like i wouldn't even tell her i was watching her but like we'd be in bed at night or in the morning and she's like maybe on instagram feed or something and she would just be like, and I mean, obviously I know, well, I guess we are on video, uh, but uh, you know, uh, she would have her phone and just be like scrolling up, just like, right. you know, like picture after picture, just like not even really looking. Yeah. And then here's the crazy thing that blew me away is she would have people she followed that like would put out some kind of, I don't know, she's really into health or something. So she'd be like, look what so-and-so posted. It's so amazing. And I learned so much from it. And she would talk it up for like five, 10 minutes, man. It might even change her a whole week. And here's what blew my mind. She never liked the post and never commented on it. And so hmm. that began to make me think, I was like, whoa, like you were moved by that post. It possibly changed your perception. And, uh, and you went around telling people about it, but you never even engaged in it. And so I think that I, from what I'm seeing in the world of the socials is, um, there's a lot less engagement over the last few years. It seems like people are, they might be watching and they might even be moved by it and you might even be able to turn it into a sell, but it's not necessarily the same at all anymore. And so I don't really know where it's headed, but I think that it's still, it's still as it stands, it's still a viable thing. I think if you're obviously a small business, you should have social media and you should use it and it does connect you with people and it is a beautiful thing. And it's, you know, I mean, that's how we've met and talked and, yeah. you know, and got connected was through social media. And so I think that it's still a very great tool. I just don't know what it's going to look like in the next like five to 10 years. Like, I don't think it's going to be this. I really don't. I think it's going to shift. I think technology is rapidly changing more and more. And I think the uh, the poverty gap is is changing more and more, mm-hmm. man. And so I don't know if it's going to, I don't even know if small business can really survive. Like there was that whole maker insurgent, you know, where, where people were getting really buzzed about makers and stuff. And, and, uh, and I even see that kind of dying out again, where people are just resorting back to like Amazon, you know, where people are just like, I want convenience. convenience. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, it's still going back to that. And that's what started it all. That's like, the Walmarts of the world and things like that. It was always about convenience and a cheap price. And I see it kind of leaning back there again, you know? Have you tried to incorporate like paid ads into social media to see that effect? Yeah, man. I um I will say I will say that to me. You hear my son crying in the background. Son. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. But um but yeah, I think uh, you know, uh paid ads. I think Facebook is a uh in a weird way, our Facebook is very stagnant because it's like mostly old people now. But in it's a like weird, one hundred fifteen thousand likes. Yeah, but in but, a weird way, um, it's 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 tend to be the most the best one to spend money in. Gotcha. I'll say that. Like Instagram is pretty good. Um, Facebook to me is like one of the best if you're gonna actually spend money on advertisement on social Getting media conversion. Well, yeah, but I think it's because of the way they. Um, 
they can really strip down everything all the way down to the exact same person, the person you really want to reach. Right. And so I think that's kind of crazy, even as probably a comedian. Like if you're doing a show in Marietta, like you can literally do an ad to Marietta to the very people that are literally going to be the people that would book your show. So it's like to me more bang for your buck, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still viable. It's still a good thing. I, I just don't see it being that way in the next five or 10 years. What do you attribute to this? We're talking hundreds of thousands of followers. You know, what do you attribute to that being able to generate those followings? Yeah, I think it was again, man, being a forerunner. I think if oh, we started, okay. I really think if we, man, I mean, when I when I started Instagram, it was when it really first started. I thought it was just a photo editing tool. Like I literally had a person. I still have it to this day. It's really funny. My my old personal account that's just like I never use it. I'll go on time to time. Dude, my first like 50 pictures are selfies in a bathroom <laughs> with like weird filters on Another them. forerunner. Yeah. In that. That's what people do now too. <laughs> but I didn't even know like I was supposed to get likes. I, this is the thing. I, did, I thought it was like a, I thought it was like my camera roll. Like I didn't know people were looking at it. Whoa. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like I didn't even know it was like a social platform. Like I was like, oh yeah. And I would, back then you would save your picture and then use it elsewhere. Like I wasn't even, I was literally using it as like an editing tool and then I would take the picture and then I would like post it on Facebook or something. That's yeah, hilarious. it was it was really weird. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there was a lot of getting in early and uh, and same thing with our brand and then being a musician, I knew that um I knew that if I could partner with brand with uh bands, I should say, um that their following would be into what I was doing because they trusted that band. Cause I knew how, how much power that had, you know? And so early on, that's what we tapped into as well. We would connect with bands or I've sponsored like a, a metal tour once and different things like that. And, um, I think that helped a lot with the growth initially. Um, so those things, you know, partnering with, it was, it was like before brand ambassadors were even a thing. Like, I yeah. mean, it was, I just saw the opportunity. I was like, Oh yeah. Well, if I give this person some beard oil and they've got 2000 followers, that's 2000 followers that are seeing my beard oil that might not see it, you know? And that was the way I was thinking at the time. And I think, again, the engagement was a lot hotter. So you could actually get half of their followers, you know? And so, um, obviously the growth now is a lot slower. So, well, you seem to be forward thinking in everything you do now moving forward in your career, you're looking clearly, you talked about trying to pivot on the whole narrative of your brand. Where are you, what is kind of your, goal now where are you trying to go you know that's a good question man i i am in a very weird transition for my life right now it's like i've been doing this business for over half a decade and it's it's like the market's oversaturated do i just continue to plug away like what am i known for am i going to just be known for dream beard is this just i hate to say the word legacy because i wouldn't even want it to be my legacy i want me to be a good husband and father to be my legacy you know so but I think, um, yeah, man, it's, I, I, I'm 30 this, you know, this year. I, and so it's like, I'm definitely feeling that sense of transition where it's like, okay, I'm a little older now and, uh, you know, I'm married <laughs> and I have a kid and have a beard. I kind of know some stuff now. You right. Know? And, uh, not really, but, uh, <laughs> and you know, so yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I love dream beard. It's been so good to us. The people are so amazing. Like the people have been with us for years and even new customers, I mean, I handwrite notes in every package. Like that's mm. a way for me to stay connected. And so I love those people, man. I really do. I mean, they've they've been a blessing in my life. 
And so for me, the next thing, I mean, you know that I have a podcast as well. And that's been a really unique way for me to have a new sense of passion to kind of find like a new thing that I can like dive into that's so deep that you can kind of go down the rabbit hole with. Yeah. And so for me, that's kind of been the next thing, you know, I now whether or not it becomes, you know, a thing, it's like, it's just for me, it's like what I'm focused on. So it's like, I'm focused on dream beard. We're doing that. I'm focused on the new podcast, but what happens after that? I don't know. It's like, man, I mean, really in a year, I could be working a nine to five job. You know, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Like, I mean, you just never know. And I guess that's what I'm saying. I didn't know when I left Ohio that I was going to start a beard oil business, you know, and I don't really know what five years from now holds. I can plan, you know, goes back to that religion. Uh, (laughs) My plans are steps, but uh, the Lord guides them, you know, the Lord, or something. I forget what, Uh I forget that. (laughs) I forget it, dude, whatever. I'm mucking it up, but. Yeah, I mean, dude, we don't. I think in the end, we do plan our footsteps, but we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. We don't know anything, man. We don't. We can't expect anything. So I'm trying to enjoy the season I'm in, and I'm trying to just like live. So, well, before we get out of here, man, uh, is there anything else you want the world to know, dude? Uh, <laughs> I don't bro, even know, bro, dude. dude. Bro. Just do it, man. Damn. Just do it. Yeah, I just think, man, if you're listening to this, no matter where you're at, you know, if you've been listening to Hot Breath forever, it's your first time and you jumped on, I just, man, I think that just having a sense of realizing that no one has it figured out, including you, and the wiser you become, the more you really realize you don't know, and just enjoy this weird, wacky life, man. Like, just really enjoy it. Like, enjoy it for what it is. If you got a shitty job, just find some sort of enjoyment. Like, find, you know, it doesn't, because in the end, dude, I really, really think that, I mean, everything becomes just this like distant memory. Like, I mean, when you get on your deathbed or before you die, like, you're going to look back at everything and it's just going to be that, like, some mm. distant, foggy memory where you have like little blips and highlight reels. Like, all the like, all the stress you had and all the worry about like what people, you know, thought about you or your successes or your failures, like, they're not going to matter, man. In a hundred years, you can't name me five presidents from over a hundred years ago. Like no one can. I mean, it's like (laughs) they were the most important person in the country. So it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing, dude. Just live your freaking life, man. Enjoy it for what it is. It's finite. The, 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 when you finally realize how finite your life is, you can really start living. And so, yeah, that's what I would say. Amen. <laughs> I may have brought I may have brought <laughs> Let him you. use you. Let him right. use you. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead with it. Go ahead. <laughs> wow. Won't he do it? Wow. <laughs> well, uh, please let the let the hot breathiverse know where they can check out G- Dream Beard and yeah, I mean, all the jazz. I mean, I would say that we're most active on Instagram at Dream Beard and um, especially on our stories. We've kind of shifted the way we use our platform. I would say our posts are more of like. Uh, uh, like announcements our stories more of the day-to-day kind of thing i've been using stories like that too yeah. almost like a vlog yeah yeah, yeah. it's it just because i think and i like how how versatile they are like they've been giving us a lot more um things you can do like tag a website where people swipe up right. or you know there's a lot of things you can do with it and so i i really enjoy it and uh, i feel like if someone really wants to know what we're doing 
then they can do that. They can go on our story. So yeah, Dreambeard um, on Instagram, Dreambeard Oils on, because that's, we were just stupid when we started. We're like, Dreambeard Oils, let's put that on there. Because it's all essential oils, it, right? It, it started off like that. But uh -huh. then when we got Instagram, we're like, maybe we should just make a Dreambeard. But yeah, Dreambeard Oils, or you could just probably look up Dreambeard on Facebook. And Twitter we barely use, but it's Dreambeard Oils. And uh, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. So our, our website is dreambeard.com. If you want to check out the podcast, lifegetshairy.com. On iTunes, Life Gets Hairy. Um, Instagram life gets hairy and yeah, man, check us out. DM me, dude. We'll talk about some weird alien shit. Whoa, far out, man. <laughs> well, Ryan Lane, thank you for being on Hot Breath, dude. I loved it, man. We'll have to do it some. We'll have to do it again, dude. I, I love what you do. I love your comedy. It's awesome. I, I love you and what you do. Heck yeah, we'll dude. have to make some stuff happen. Let's go make out, collaborate. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt it going there, dude. I was like, I love you. I love you too, dude. Your, your just, baby's upstairs crying. Yeah, nah. let's, let's go make out. Yeah, let's just go make out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good way to end that. All right. All right thanks, man. Yeah, I gotta say, that's one of my favorite Hot Breath episodes yet. But we have over a hundred. So if this is your first one listening to... Head on back into the catalog, so many great interviews, and I am now branching outside of just comedy-related topics and more into just successful people I can learn from. And as I'm making that pivot, I'm also starting a new podcast. I talked with Ryan about his wife some, and also the influence my wife has had on me. Well, she's influenced me again, and that is us to start a podcast. There's so many great podcasts out there, and even TV shows that review things like, you know, Talking Dead and there's a Stranger Things post-show. So my wife and I are now doing a Hot Breath post-show where we can review our favorite moments of each podcast, what the top le lessons learned were, and just uh, my wife wants a wine sponsor. Pretty much the first two episodes have been her drinking wine and trying to pitch a wine sponsor. So it's a really good time. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash hot breath pod it'll be linked in the show notes as well to make it easy for you but that's just kind of an online community we created for hot breath to where i'll post show notes and different insights into my research process and how i pick people and some really funny stories from just doing over a hundred hot breath episodes so patreon.com slash hot breath pod head on over there you can check it out i'd love for you to join us and of course if you want to see me live, if you like me on here, I'm actually really funny on stage. This is more of my serious, mm, more astute mm, platform. But you see me on stage or on social media at Joel Byers Comedy, joelbyerscomedy.com. And I also host a show every single Wednesday at Java Monkey in Decatur, Georgia. It's on the Decatur Square in an awesome heated patio. It's been going on over six years. I would love to meet you there. I had someone come out this week, actually. Casey Black came out and said, Hey, I heard your Dulce Sloan podcast, who has since been on Daily Show, and then I became a fan, came out to the show. I, I love those stories. Those keep me going. Those keep me fired up. I would love for you to meet you. Come on out. Share your story. Let's take a picture. Let's really connect. That's what this is all about. So I hope to see you there. If not, enjoy your Thanksgivings. And I'll see you right back here next Monday on Hot Breath. <sighs> Whoa. 
I almost forgot in talking about my wife. I have to thank her for the theme song, as I always do, and also thank my engineer, Amon Garner. He keeps all these sounding crystal clear. He's the man with the plan. If you have any audio needs, hit him up, Amon Garner, on Facebook. And, of course, my wife for the theme song and our new podcast called Buyer's Remorse. I meant to add that. It's called Buyer's Remorse. Patreon.com slash HotBreathPod. Hope to see you there. Have a good week, day, night, morning, wherever this finds you. I'll see you right back here next Monday on Hot Breath. Oh, oh.